listening to She Rises, a podcast dedicated to women who are ready to stop settling and start living their lives by design. If you're ready to talk about the stuff that weighs you down and get practical advice on everything from your health, body image, spirituality, relationships, and personal growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Giovanna Capoza, your host, master coach, spiritual teacher, and mind-body expert, and I'm on a mission to unsettle women all over the world. Are you ready to rise? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of She Rises. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you guys to listen in on this episode. It's really another one of those fly on the wall episodes where I am not really interviewing, I'm rather having just an amazing conversation with Dr. Sarah Coxon. She's a mentor, facilitator, and a guide for wild women wanting to reclaim the feminine and experience more ease, freedom, and flow. She's the founder of Limitless, the Academy, where she teaches women practical wisdom on how to embody their feminine power and experience liberation. She also mentors women in roles of leadership, helping them to powerfully lead, serve, and succeed. Five years ago, she left her unfulfilling academic life in the UK to follow her purpose and create freedom on her terms. She now lives in Portugal with her gorgeous Italian fiance, Mauro, where she teaches yoga, writes, mentors, hikes, cycles, and does whatever keeps her happy and at ease. This conversation today, we go to all kinds of places, really. We talk about what really matters to women. We talk about relationships and we we just dive deep into some real heart issues. And uh, I say it in, at the end of the show, but it really felt like a co-hosting experience and really felt like a, two girls having a chat. And we go to lots of different places. We talk about feminine energy and what is that and what does that mean and different roles. And we talk about relationships and the heart and what it really means to be with you and to be with another. And how does, how does that play off? How do you reconcile the two? Um, and I really hope you guys enjoy this. Let me know what you think at the end of the show. Sarah, welcome to She Rises. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for letting me be here. I'm, I'm super stoked. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're a kindred spirit. We connected like on Instagram, which was weird and random. And then we found out what the connection was. And then we sort of kept speaking. And um, kindred spirit, like I said, you're, you're up to very similar things in the world with the work that you do. And so um, it was a no-brainer that we kind of swap podcasts. I was on yours and um, you're now here today. And I'm really excited to have you here. Thank so, you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I'll tell the audience, um, I've told the audience a little bit about you. And what I'm going to share now is that we're kind of in full transparency. Like we decided to start this show and sort of say like, hey, let's see what comes out of this conversation, right? So it's less of a planned you know, usually I have someone that has a book or that has a specific topic and we're going to narrow right in. But I actually, I don't know about you, but I really like these kind of like, yeah, let's see where we go in this conversation kind of shows. Absolutely. And you know, obviously, because you've been on my podcast, that very often when we allow it to be free and flowing and we imagine that the listener is listening into two women on, you know, in their process, having a yeah. conversation, then a lot of juiciness can come out and stuff that you don't even know where it came from. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And I, I mean, I really do, whether it's, you know, a planned interview around a book or an author or whatever, like I really do like it to feel like a fly on the wall. So for those of you listening, I hope that you just feel like a fly on the wall in this conversation and feel free to talk back to your phone or um, if you're listening in the car to your car audio. Um, and as always, if something is sparked in you about this conversation, you can join us over uh, on the show notes on the page at sherisespodcast.com uh, or on iTunes or Android or wherever you listen to this podcast. So one of the things, Sarah, that we just dropped in, because I had asked you before we started, like, what's been on your heart lately? And I wonder if you would share that with the audience, like what's been pulling at your heartstrings? And I love this question because it's always the way, isn't there? For, the, for a few weeks, there's always some kind of theme that seems to be coming up, no matter who you're talking to, friends, clients, you know, family members. And for me, it's this idea that you know, really when we, we're in struggle, when we are making decisions that go against who we really are deep down and we are in flow and ease and success in inverted commas, 
when we are just making decisions that really align with the truth of who we are, like how we're designed, how we're supposed to operate in the world, what our dharma, our, our sole purpose is. And that there's this tension between our soul essence, that blueprint of who we really are and really what lights us up and all the little quirks and the gifts and the talents. And then the social conditioning that starts from birth, which is, you know, a set of rules by which you're supposed to behave and act. And how really, for me, really understanding and looking back and even feeling now in the present moment that any anxiety I feel, any depression I feel, or any just sense of like, oh, something's off, is usually because I'm still thinking in terms of should. I'm still doing what is, I'm supposed to do or what everyone else is doing or what's expected of me rather than what do I actually want to do? Like what really aligns with who I am? And that's not always so easy to navigate. So this is a theme that's been really coming up for me because this is like the center of my work and you know it never ends <laughs> and you think you know when you become a I don't think you ever really become experts but when you are in a role of leadership there's always this sense that shouldn't I have this all together right now shouldn't I have gone from <laughs> point a to point b and then you're like I'm still in it yeah you know and that's what's been coming up for me the past few weeks is like really coming back to this root of like there's conflict here mm-hmm. and, the, and the struggle is always between essential soul self that always knows what to do and then the shoulds and sometimes we can't always distinguish so yeah that's what's been coming up for me (laughs) yeah and I loved when you when you dropped that in because that's I feel like that's always up for me and especially um it has been also up for me recently because for me I start to notice um or rather I, I try to step back and notice that when things are kind of um I don't know, funky for lack of a better word, like they're not really Ooh. running smoothly or, or I'm up against like something that feels like a block or something that feels like an impediment, whether it's like, I don't know, like something in my, um, I, just, I just recently bought a, a new home, a condo. And there was like stuff coming up around, you know, the, the filing of the papers and the, and the numbers and the needed this papers. And, you know, when you're self-employed and you're applying for a mortgage in Canada, it's like they, they want a urine sample and a blood type and it's like ridiculous, right? So <laughs> like, like that in Portugal. Too. Oh my God. It's like crazy. But I mean, I, they don't want to see a market crash like they, we did back in, in 08. I get it. And it's just insane. And so, but I was noticing like, you know, my energy, like around like, okay, uh, like this is like, oh, and like this. And, and I was just getting annoyed with the process and I was getting like, and I had to step back and say, okay, this is going funky right now. I'm, there's fear. Obviously there's fear coming up. And the fear was real. It's like, oh my God, what if I don't get approved for this mortgage? I've just, you know, I've just signed these papers, et cetera. And everything's fine. I went through all, everything's good. But when I have moments like that, where it feels or it appears as though things are not going smoothly. And in reality, like for that side of things in the bank and the broker, they were like, chill out, girl, everything's going smoothly on our end. Right. But my perception and on my end, there was this like, oh, it's not going smoothly or, oh, there's a hiccup or, oh, what if this and what if that? And I have to step back and realize that I'm in fear. And I, I notice that sort of trend when things start to like get bumpy or hiccup, right? Like the record starts skipping, that it's normally because I'm in fear, which is a symptom of what you just said, which is I've totally forgotten who I am at my core the truth of who I am. I've totally disconnected from that. I'm falling into this trap of limitless or limitation in this, uh, you know, perception. And I wonder for you, like, how, how do you, do you catch yourself in that? How do you catch yourself? And then how do you turn it around? Because I imagine there's people listening that are already going, yeah, like, I know what it's like to be in flow. And then I know what it's like when I'm shitting myself. How do, how do you turn it around? How do you flip it? This is such a good question. And I also listen to your story. I really understand because we went through a similar process here and we're doing a rent to buy uh, scheme at the moment. And this, the same fears keep, keep coming up. And so it's just, I just wanted to point that out. It's just really funny how it's really similar. <laughs> um, for me, how to navigate that fear 
is to, like you said, remember the truth of who you are, but how you do that, it's all about embodiment. So for me, coming back to the breath and recognizing, like really feeling it in my body that I am actually being supported in this moment. Like each inhalation is an offering to me. Like oxygen is coming in. You know, each exhalation is an opportunity for me to release what's not serving me anymore. Feeling into your heartbeat, you know, feeling like I am not beating my heart right now. Something is beating my heart. Something is growing my hair. Something is regulating my hormones. Mm, so you can know right. that conceptually. When you really feel it in your body, it's there. You can't argue with that. So it's all about embody, embodiment of support. And I teach yoga as well. And that's very much at the core of, of what I teach in my yoga classes is like you are always supported, but we have to go beyond just the concept. We have to find that experience and anchor it in the present moment. Because when you're really focused on that and you feel it, then the stories, they're still there. They don't necessarily go away, but they, they lose their hold on you. They, they lose that kind of, yeah, their grip. So for me, it's all about embodiment practices and really coming back to the body is first and foremost, the best way that we can release ourselves from fear because then we're just present and we're just there in the moment. And from the body, we start to experience our connection with nature. We recognize that we are not separate from her. We are an expression of her. And also something that very recently I've started incorporating into my practices is prayer. And I never used to pray before because I'm very, very spiritual. I've been on the spiritual path for a long time, but a kind of prayer for me was Christian. And I, I kind of, I shot, I shut myself away from that um, because I was really fearful of dogma. And now, but now coming back to prayer is just, it's just another way to, to, um, for want of a better phrase, oh, just to let go and just offer it out. It's a conversation really, right? When you pray, but it does have a religious connotation. So yeah, I understand that idea of like, oh, like what am I doing here? Right. Yeah. Oh, I super rejected it, but Mm. it was, but that rejection was coming from my mind and not really from an understanding that actually it's just having a conversation with a higher power, which we're all connected to anyway, but just honoring that connection through speech. And there's just some form of slowing down in what you're saying too, and just paying attention. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that you brought it back to being embodied because nothing gets you present than actually being in your body. And we don't have to wait till we get sick or we're in pain to do that. We could actually like, I love that you said, like, just to realize that I'm not beating my own heart, that something Mm. like is beating that. And that's just such a beautiful representation of being able to sort of trust in the universe. And uh, what I explain to my clients very much similar to what you just said, is to find the evidence, right? And and, in doing what you're suggesting, you're finding the evidence. And one of the things that I try and do for myself and what I encourage my clients to do beyond the embodiment piece is to actually find a time in your life when things were funky, right? The record was skipping. Um, It just felt like things weren't going right or you were in massive fear or there was something going on find that time that that was going on and then you made it through okay. And then somehow it worked out and then someone showed up, right? Because it's finding the evidence of where life works for you. And sometimes even our most darkest hours, somehow you're okay. You're right here. You made it this far and you were supported then and you'll be supported now and it'll all work Mm. out. And similar, similar sort of evidence finding uh, as you suggested. Oh, I I love that. And there's some, you're speaking somehow to some kind of shadow work. I feel like Mm. you, I I really, well, I experience it, that our capacity to really hold light and see light and let it in is the capacity to which we've experienced darkness and we can reframe how we view darkness. So it may sound really weird, but you know, my, my brother died uh, back in 2012 from a drugs overdose. And that was probably one of the darkest moments in my life. And I am so grateful because I can feel joy. I like uh, that depth of grief and darkness 
the, my capacity to feel joy now is magnified because of it, because I had to come through. It's almost like a spring clean for the heart. So I just, I kind of, yeah, I felt what you, what you were saying was speaking to this. Well, you know, you'll, you'll make it through. And here's the evidence that you'll make it through. Yeah. But darkness and light, it's all part, it's all part of the process. It's contrast, right? Like we need contrast. We have to experience contrast in our lives um, for both good and bad, right? So that we, I think, so my belief is that we could really experience, like you said, the depths of joy and the depths of happiness. I mean, you could only experience those, I think, when you've seen the contrast. And, and actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually edit that, not literally, but I'm editing myself right now because that's funny. I just said that and I caught myself because I'm like, huh, is that true? Can you only experience the depths of joy and happiness when you've had the contrast? Because that kind of says, hey, you know, we got to suffer and you can't be happy unless you suffer. And I know that that's a model of thinking in this, you know, 3D world that we live in. And something came to me as I said that, like I said that out loud just now. And I was like, huh, is that true? Like, can we... Do you think that we can go to the depths of joy and happiness by realizing this truth of who we are without having to go through the suffering? Like, what a novel idea. Like, what if that were the case? I, I am so in awe of you, being, you flipping that around because something in my mind has gone, huh, well, what if that was just not my reality? Yeah. What if, yeah, what if that just Like I literally said it out loud and I'm like, well, that <laughs> yeah. might be bullshit. And like, what am I saying here? So what do you think about that. that? For me, it feels, for me, it feels, it feels like I'm stumped. No, I love this because it's really, I can feel it, a shift happening in my being right now where it's like, really? Okay. Something that you have, a story that you have created about your brother's death which has positive, has positive uh, repercussions. Like I use that grief, that, that situation was not my doing. You know, it, it happened, it didn't happen to me, but it happened within my realm of experience. Mm -hmm. And so I created that story of, okay, well now that I can really feel grief, now I can, I can let the light in. But what if that was just, again, just a construct, just a story beautiful as it may be, what if it's not truth? And it just helped me through. Well, what if it's like, I'm, I'm very much like a both and person. Like what if it mm. is true that you can experience your depth of joy now because you had to go to such a contrast to such a dark place? Cause I've, I've had those, we've all had them. I've talked about them freely mm. on the show. So what if that is true, but what if there's also another way? Another way. I love right? it. Right? Yes, like exactly. the Course in Miracles started by two people asking a question of saying there has to be a better way. Yeah. I mean, is, is it true? That's my experience. But then for sure there are people out there that have not had to deal with situations like that. And yet their you know, capacity to, to feel joy, is that less than mine? I mean... Yeah. I well, it. and conversely, also people that have gone to that depths and then never yeah. experienced the opposite because they've stayed there. They've, they've gotten lost there. They've, you know, and, mm. um, and so it's not, so it's interesting. Cause like I always, and this is, and I love that you said this earlier on too, you said how you, you yourself go through this as well, you know, just cause we're in a position of leadership or somebody has slapped like an expert label on us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I tell my clients all the time, like I am maybe like half a step, two steps, maybe depending on the topic, five, 10 steps ahead of you, but I'm right there with you. Like I'm, there's no, I'm doing this work as much as you are. And I, I have it only little bit figured out. Right. And I mean, I always, I always say this to my clients, like we're only like coaches are only ever coaching themselves. Right. So there's an element of, you know, you're bringing the work you do and then you get through something and then you bring it to your clients. Right. So yeah. we're always in this together and we're always a work in progress. And where was I going with this? Oh, the, the, and this idea that I'm just rambling on this idea of it. That, um, that, you know, we're, we're right here and we're doing this work and, um, now we're talking about these experiences, like, and that's why I caught myself because I, I, I was just saying something as though it were knowledge, as though it were true. Yeah. And I think the gift in all of us, not just you and I here in this conversation, is when we can actually stop and say, is that true? Like, 
Is that actually true for me or period? Is it true? I love that. And and you're giving other people permission just by us having this conversation where we're literally questioning perhaps some basic assumptions that we have. We're giving other people permission to question theirs because I think there's this um, tendency for leaders to have to look like they have it figured all out. And of course, like, it's good that you change your mind. You have in, every day you have new information and new experiences, like absolutely change your mind. And so being able to, even in the context of this podcast interview, I think is, has the, the capacity to be actually quite profound, maybe, who knows, <laughs> but, but it's, hope, it's right? that in process. I mean, who knows? There might, people are like, uh, what are these guys going on about? <laughs> Well, I want to, I want to go somewhere else now with you because, you know, Mm. and it just, it it dawned on me before we started recording, but it's coming back now because, you know, you are a woman who does work with women and on Mm. this energy that will label feminine, right? It could be yin, it could be, we can label it anything we want. Um, It's, it's not, it's genderless. It's, it's not based on sexual orientation. It's this flow energy. It's this Mm -mm. um, way that if you are, um, embodying this kind of energy that that would be great that you connect with it align with it right and i find so many uh women especially women in business and women who are entrepreneurs who uh, i work mostly with these go-getting women right we we want to we have ambitions like you right we have ambitions Mm. we have stuff we want to accomplish we have um, missions that we feel pulled to. We want to do work that's meaningful, that feels like we're on purpose, that we come alive every day. And then we have the, the reality of being human. And then, and then, and then we're in relationships. Mm. And why does that ever complicate everything? So (laughs) I want to go there with you now. Like how do you keep yourself, you know, in alignment with self when it's so easy for us to, you know, mold or blend or like really just want relationship, relationship stuff, right? Because as, as women, you know, our highest value is relationship and relating and community. And that's a high value for us. You know, men men have a have a different high value, right? They want respect and freedom, and it's it's different. It's a different flavor. And how do you reconcile that within yourself of being this woman who wants to be independent and in the world, but then is in a relationship where it's very much about interdependency, um, mm. if it's healthy, right? And like I find, there's this old struggle still of like, am I doing too much here? Am I not doing enough here? Am I, how do I? So wh- how do you reconcile that? I, this is such a good question and I'm still learning with it. My track record mm, same, in relationship yeah. has, there's no specific pattern. If I look through, I'm a serial monogamist. There's no specific pattern. I've, <laughs> I've been in relationship before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I don't particularly like being single. And as a woman, you're not supposed to say that, you know, it's like, oh, she should be okay being by herself. I'm okay, but I don't really like it. I like to be in relationships with men. But where was I going with this? Yeah, so if you look at my track record of relationships, like I'm, I've always been pretty strong, I would say strong woman. My family would say opinionated, and I don't think that's a bad thing. But, um, you know, strong, opinionated, knows what she wants kind of thing. And, you know, first few boyfriends, I was very much, I guess I dominated the relationship. And it was out of alignment. The, the relationship died because I didn't allow for that feminine flow energy to, to kind of permeate it. It was very much like I felt like I was in masculine energy. And then I found myself in a relationship with a guy who was very masculine in his energy, like very set, knew what he wanted, but it was, you know, there, there was a darkness to that relationship and I lost myself in it. And it really showed me that I have had and still I'm moving through it, but there's still these people pleasing tendencies. Like I will, um, I will put my needs at the bottom of the pile in order to avoid any possible rejection from you. Even if quite frankly, you know, you're acting like an idiot. 
And now I'm in a relationship where, you know, it's the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. And yet it is still very challenging for me to allow for him to take the reins as a strong woman, particularly if I'm thinking like, you know, I grew up with, you know, almost old feminist kind of um, rhetoric, you know, the old kind of feminism, which is like, you know, women are better than men. And, you know, you I can't don't need tell a me man. I don't need a man. Don't like, tell me what to do. <laughs> exactly. Like my mom, my mom, if she listens to it, she's going to laugh. Um, she had a fridge magnet that said, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. And, <laughs> you know, and that is priceless. <laughs> on the fridge. And she's but still what married does that to my tell dad. You? What does that tell you as you grow up with that, right? It's like, it, it just, it, it's so confusing for a woman it that wants to be in up. relationship, right? Because you're like, it wait, I'm not supposed up. to want this. It's a fish and a bicycle. That's, I love that. <laughs> I, exactly. And she's still married to my dad and, you know, but she, there it was on the fridge. So I, so I had this, I kind of brought up with this like old, I don't even know if it's old feminism, but it's just rhetoric that is particularly unhealthy and it's a, a rejection of the masculine. And so there was, so I realized, and especially coming out of an abusive relationship, I was really rejecting the masculine. And I understand Which, why. It's funny. And sorry to interrupt you, Sarah. It's funny because mm. that old, you know, we talk a lot about toxic masculinity these days, but that's, mm. there's been a toxic femininity, right? If oh, you want to say it that absolutely. way. Absolutely. And that whole rejection of the masculine, we rejected it, but then embodied it. It's like, well, I'm going to yeah. be just as tough as you and I'm going to, and I'm going to shut off these, you know, parts of myself because I need to, you know, play with the big boys kind of thing. And that is, it's an old kind of, burn your bra feminism, you know, is what, which we needed, by the way, for everyone listening, yes. we needed to go to that extreme because we needed to find our way. And so, and here it's we are still finding swing. our way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. So sorry. It continue. needed to happen. No, yeah. no. And I love what you're saying. It absolutely needed to happen. And I'm glad you pointed that out because we now are swinging back from that. I hope some, some of us aren't, and that's okay, but some of us are. And I can, I can see it in, because you know, the, the microcosm always mirrors the macrocosm and vice versa. And I see that in my own life now, you know, I was, when I left this abusive relationship with my ex, you know, I was still really rejecting the masculine. And now I find myself in a relationship with, with someone who is, is very kind, he's wonderful. And now it's like, how do I navigate? How do I be a woman in this relationship? And for me, I'm still very much learning because I'm ambitious, because I also have this conditioning of, you know, toxic. I love that you say that toxic femininity, where it's like, I don't need a man. And this is usually where our arguments come from is because he, I've shut down his masculinity and or I've, or I've rejected it. So the way that I'm navigating it now is just by being as conscious as I can be. I've worked with, um, some amazing intimacy coaches as well that have really helped me to come back to um, feminine power that is doesn't have to be in control. You know, it's like there's power in flow. There's a power in allowing, but it's still very much a, a work in progress, as my partner Mara will tell you. <laughs> um, Same. <laughs> yeah, it's like my gosh, but it's but it's hel- It is healthy. We're in a healthy relationship. And I feel very lucky with him because, you know, he's a talker. So he's very, he's very open to hearing about these things and also talking about his experiences. But yeah, work in progress. Yeah, I love I we mean, went here. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, I'm the same. And I find I've, it's just really interesting when, so we're talking about, you know, feminine, masculine uh, energy, which is the, you know, uh, the equivalent of yin and yang. And we mm-hmm. have both and we can play with both and we need both. And we're not, we're, we are unfortunately in a world of presenting dualities, right? Like black, white, mm-hmm. uh, right, wrong, left, you know, uh, left, right, etc. So this is part of, you know, duality or dualistic thinking. But right now, how we play and how we're expressing, we, we have a blend of energies and we could express more masculine one day or more feminine one day. And it's, the, it's just that energy expression. And I notice that 
the women that come to me, very similar to what happened with me, is when I was totally shut off to that part of me that, you know, desired a relationship that really, you know, wanted that. I had been, you know, burned so bad in the bath in the past, and and you know, what's that like once once bitten twice shy kind of expression, mm-hmm. right? So I had I was so badly burnt from the past dealings that I shut off the complete total desire of what was really at my core, which was I really want a relationship. Like I really want to have a healthy relationship. I want to thrive in a relationship. And there was still the desire of that for that, but I shut it down because it was too dangerous and it was too scary. And I could not trust myself to make the right choice right at the time. So I shut it down and I threw myself into my work and I, I took on the go, 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 the do, 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 the, the achieve, the figure it out, the, you know, eye on the ball. What's, what's my purpose? What's the success to the point that I just spun myself into circles. Um, I don't think I was any clearer than when I started and I, I was exhausted. I was exhausted. And this is what I see happening a lot with women who, you know, they, they're neglecting or rather shutting down this part of themselves, right? I was so hell bent on becoming self-sufficient that I had to shut down pieces of myself to get there. And then one, literally I was in a mastermind group and a relationship coach, uh, intimacy coach who was in that group literally called me out on it and, and said, Hey, why are you denying that this is what you want? And that this is what is part of bringing you to your fullest expression. And I just looked at uh, part of me was like, screw you. Like, I was like, I don't need a man. Like, Like, who are you? Right. Like I had that whole thing going, but then I looked at him. I just, I just wept. I wept and wept and wept because I was denying this piece of myself. And so, you know, fast forward years later, I'm now with this beautiful, we both have gorgeous Italian men. I'm so happy to say, (laughs) and I'm with this, you know, gorgeous Italian man who is like the most wonderful human and adores me and I adore him. And, and yet these little like what do I want to call them? These bad habits of doing too much or, you know, going into fear or not letting it flow or all of these, they still pop up. And I'm like, God, oh, damn it. Right. Like, why are these still here? So that's why it was interesting for, for me to ask you, because the way I navigate them is I have to, I have to re re steer the ship. Like I have to refocus. And for the women that I work with, I, and I don't know if it's the same for you, but I have to get back to me because it's so easy for us to get so into the we that we forget the me. So mm. I have certain practices that I do. Like I have to, you know, I, I, we, we don't live together yet. And so that's kind of great because I can go back to my own apartment and, you know, light my incense and put my music on and whatever. But, you know, even if you are living with the person, there has to be a way that you get back to we because one of the things that I don't think women realize is that we are very much the emotional leaders in a relationship. So I know I said a mouthful there, but how do you mm. get back to me when there's been a little too much we? And I mean, and even vice versa, because we can have a little too much me and neglect the we. So how do you, how do, you do that for yourself and your relationship? That's a really interesting question. And actually what resonates more about that question is how do I get back to we? Because I, yes, I like to be in relationship, but I also have had a tendency in the past and still do to kind of like want to go my own way with everything. So compromise or anything like that is, you know, I'm making friends with compromise, let's say. (laughs) I'm, I'm trying to navigate the whole compromise thing. So when we first got together, it was like a whirlwind. You know, I'd just moved out to Portugal and he'd been here for six months. I just got out of this abusive relationship and, you know, I was not looking for anything. You know, you know that story. I'm not looking for anything. I just need to buy by myself. Had a little bit of fun whilst I was out here. And six (laughs) weeks in, you know what I'm saying? Six weeks in, um, we met. And then it was like, whirlwind like crazy we we were inseparable for the most part we had a week where we were apart because he needed to really you know it was so intense for him he was like I don't know if this is I'm scared I don't know if this is what I want 
I let him go away. He came back, of course. And um, yeah, so then it was really intense for maybe the first, well, I want to say like the first year or so, maybe even the first 18 months where we were living together from the get-go, you know, and we were doing everything together. And then suddenly his business started taking off. And then my new business started taking off and we started living these separate lives when we hadn't done that before. And this is something that we still navigating is like, there is this pattern that I can see where it's like, we will go, we stretch like elastic bands. We stretch only so far and then we have to come back. And, and your question was like, how do you navigate that? How do you bring yourself back to we? And, you know, we have to really carve out time for us. And we have, we, we have these daily rituals as well every evening we will, you know, be in bed and we'll give, we'll talk about what we're really grateful for. That always brings us back. And, you know, even, even with the sex as well, like, you know, we've been together two and a half years now and we, sometimes we even have to schedule that in, you know, because, and it sounds so unromantic. It sounds so like we shouldn't be like that, but it's necessary for us. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the divine masculine in action, isn't it? Creating that structure, creating that container. And we have to do that for our relationship. Um, yeah, so it's, it's for us now, it's not how do we, yeah, for us, it's always about how do we come back to we rather than the other way around. And I'm wondering, I'm trying to think back into the beginning. How did I get back to me when we were really inseparable? I think it was, I think for me, it was through my work. That was how we managed to navigate it. Um, I don't know if that quite answers your question. It does. But that was certainly, yeah, yeah, my yeah. experience. It yeah. does. You know, it's it's either it's either or, and sometimes it's both. There's either too mm. much me or there's too much we, and and I think it ebbs and flows in, in a relationship. And you brought up an, another interesting question as you were talking because, um, you know, we get it could be easy to get caught up in labels, right? We could say, well, you're whatever, a heterosexual cis female woman and you're, you know, we could say have more feminine energy in you and, mm. and then we can get caught up in that label and say, well, if that's the case, then you need to, to do or act or be and, and do more of the quote unquote feminine energy things, right? We talked about flow. We talked about allowing, we talked about nurturing, we talked about all these things. And then, so therefore your partner, if he is, you know, you know, masculine, male identifying, mostly masculine energy. And so we get really caught up in these labels and then he should do this, right? Because he's in yeah. math divine masculine is the container and and, you know, they set the pace and, you know, they, they lead in a different way. We lead emotionally, they lead in a different way. So we get really caught up in these labels. And, and I, I find with a lot of women that come to work with me, whether it's individual or groups, like they, they're familiar with these labels, they're familiar with this terminology. And it's, we can get really stuck in them. Like, oh, well, like he should be doing that because if he's that and he should be showing up this way. And, you know, if he's the, the divine masculine expression, then this is what he should be doing. And, and I should be this way. And we get so like muddled in all of that. And it came up for me as you were talking, because you said, we have to schedule like sex, we have to schedule intimacy, even just having these intimate conversations at night before bed. Right. Mm. And you know, who does that? Who does the scheduling of that? Do you do that? Does he do that? Is there an expectation of like, you know, um, that he should do that because, you know, he's the man and we're all like, we, I think of that, I think of that movie. Um, um, oh my gosh, I'm losing it. Steve Harvey. He did that. He wrote that book about, um, uh, oh my God, what is the movie called? <laughs> oh, it's such a funny, good movie, but it's basically this, he writes this book, which is basically a manual for women on how to be with a guy. And they made a movie out of it. It's, it's brilliant. So you know, there's, there's these rules that we sort of set out, like he should do that and I should do this. And, and it can get a little trippy sometime because I yeah. find women go into this expectation thing. Well, I don't want to be scheduling all the stuff all the time. I want him to do it. Right. Cause, cause then that shows I'm important and that shows he loves me. And while, yes, that's true. We all want that. Right. Where's the line? Like, how do you find the line in that to who's doing what and how much and how do you guys navigate that? Just curious. Mm, that's really interesting. I don't think either of us have expectations 
I think it happens quite spontaneously, but I do know that in previous relationships, you know, I have been consulting my John Gray book and all of that stuff. And, and yes, like, well, find out what the rules to, are. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now I know the rules, so I'm going to wait and then nothing happens. So I've definitely had that experience, but with us now, it tends to be quite spontaneous or at least I haven't, I haven't noticed it. Or maybe it just feels, maybe it is me that's scheduling it, but it doesn't feel because what's more important. Like you don't start to resent it, right? Like, yeah. you're like oh, I'm doing it all the time or. Exactly. Because what's more important, like at the end of the day, is it our intimacy or that, you know, a story that I'm telling myself, what, what do I want to give more emphasis to? But for oh, sure, this is something so that I've had to learn. And it's not been this way, but I think it comes down to as well, how secure I feel in myself Mm. since hitting my thirties. I don't know what happened, but I just don't care as much about what other people think. And I just feel so much more rooted in who I am. And I think that definitely has an impact upon the relationship and the same with him as well. I mean, he's in his mid thirties too, and he's really, um, yeah, he's also knows who he is. And I think that, that that's such a, a strong foundation for us. So any of the silly arguments that we have, and boy, do we have them, because you know, he's Italian as well. So mm-hmm. oof. <laughs> um, the cultural differences, are, we could, I could talk all day about the cultural differences. But it, despite the silly arguments, there is still an underlying of sense of like, we know who we are and we know what we want and we want each other. Mm. And so it doesn't matter who schedules what. I love that because it is, oh, that's so good. That's like, that's gold there because it is a story we tell ourselves. And that's such a great reminder for me as well, because I've had a tendency toward that story, right? Like I, you're not making the effort. So therefore it must mean that I'm not important to you. And, you know, then like, you know, add on and follow all the host of resentments and annoyances and et cetera. And it really is just a story, isn't it? Like we just tell ourselves this story. And frankly, like in a lot of the relationships that I know that I've been in as well, it's like we, we do do a lot of the planning, right? We do do like we, when I say we, I mean, you know, if it's a heterosexual relationship, the woman in the relationship Mm. does a lot of planning and, and that's fine. And, and it is a story we, we create for ourselves. And of course, in this conversation, we're talking about, um, you know, a male, female, heterosexual, but this kind of applies everywhere where these stories come up, right? Like you make up a story about your partner did or didn't do this thing and therefore it must mean this. And usually in any relationship, that's what gets us into hot water. And, you know, it's the way I catch myself going into a story is I have to monitor the emotions that are coming up. So if I have any version of fear or something in that neighborhood, I'm creating a story here. And the story may or may not be true, but there's some kind of story going on. And how do you, I wonder, how do you navigate that with your clients when you, you're seeing them? Like, I mean, from out, the outside point of view, we as coaches, we can see really clearly when someone's in the story, right? Like you're making yeah. up this story. How do you, and this is for people listening, how do you coach women through and guide them through seeing past their story? That's a really good question. Um, I always draw upon the work of Brenny Brown and I don't know if you've seen her Netflix special, A Call to Courage. I have, yeah. I love it. And she says, you know, the story I'm telling myself is, so even just by starting a sentence that, you know, the whole monologue that we have, starting it with that already creates some distance. It's already creating a distance like, okay, this is just a story. And then it's like you said at the beginning, looking for evidence that that really is not true. That's so powerful. Or looking for the evidence that the opposite is true. And also also there can be a lot of resistance to that. Okay, let's flip it. What's the evidence that the the opposite of, you know, he doesn't care about me. Okay, he cares about you. What's the evidence that it's true? And yeah, the resistance, it's always incredible the amount of resistance that comes up to that. But once it starts flowing, something shifts. So it's really just, I say this to the beginning of, uh, at the beginning of every session that I work with, uh, with, with my clients, I would say, you know, my job is 
not to believe your stories, no matter how convincing you may be. Because sometimes even we as coaches can get sucked into the story. Oh yeah. And you're like, oh yeah, that, that really does suck. And then it's like, hey, hang on a second. There's a difference between being empathetic and sympathetic with someone and also not being pulled into their story of limitation and lack and scarcity mm-hmm. and everything is, is not good. Yeah. And the ego is so sneaky, right? It's like you can <gasps> have yourself so really believing your story is true. And even with like, I, I had this happen with a client the other day, like she really presented her story in such a like great, like, oh yeah, I could see how you feel that way and blah, blah, blah. And I was doing that. And then I kind of caught myself and I'm like, something doesn't feel right here. And I kind of paused and I said, Mm. you know what? I'm just going to call bullshit on that. And she just started laughing. She just started laughing and because she, as soon as I said it, she was like, yeah, you're right. That's kind of bullshit. But it's like, you know, for a second, you know, the ego had us both convinced like, oh yeah, 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 I could see that. And I was like, "Mm." and that, I mean, that's part of the I'm sure you have this gift as well. I, I know you do from speaking with you that we very intuit, like I, I, my style of holding space, I, I hate the word coaching still to this day, but like the, that my so style <laughs> of, of holding space and allowing the transformation is very intuitive. In fact, most, if not all of my uh, coaching sessions are done without visual, unless I'm one, like in front of a group and in, in front of people, because I find it helps me really tap into what's not being said, but is actually being said. So it's so great that we can like call people out on their stories and it's harder to call ourselves out, which is, I mean, which is why I have a coach, which is why I have friends um, and, and yeah, friends who exactly. are coaches. So, you know, they can call you out on your stuff. And is there a way that you yourself have found to actually call yourself out like wait this is this is bullshit and maybe it is maybe it is that Brene Brown technique she mentioned about you know her and her husband and and the lake when she was I'm, like I'm making up this yeah this yeah maybe it's that but I, I don't know do you have another way that you sort of call yourself out or call bullshit on yourself um, in relationship, it's just we're as honest as we can be with each other. So it's like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking this, something's going on here. And usually that's enough. Like even just speaking it out loud can be enough. If, if it's coming from the right space of like really wanting to see, see truth, then even just putting it out there in front of you can be enough for you to just kind of look at it at different angles and be like, oh, maybe that's the well, now that I've said it out loud, that sounds ridiculous. Um, that's usually how I call myself out, but sometimes I just get stuck and I have to have people around me just be like, no, Sarah, that's a silly, silly story. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we need, we need other people around us and it's, it's always, it's fine when it's your, your coach or your friends. When it's your partner, it's really annoying <laughs> when they call you out on it. It's like, oh. Absolutely. It's like, d- you've been with me too long. Stop picking up my, my coaching skills. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, um, I, can, I still find myself getting a little defensive. But I also recognize that if I'm getting defensive or I'm not even open to listening to it, it's generally because he's onto something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I'm not perfect. I'm definitely not a saint. I'm getting a lot better. But yeah, uh, there's still, there's, there's always going to be blind spots. And it's why having these conversations, even now, you know, I'm learning so much about myself through this conversation because it's when someone can offer you a different perspective, then, you know, you start to see even your stories differently. That's why travel is so important. It's so incredibly um, transformative is because you start to see your world very, very differently when you, yeah, when you're, ex- when you're outside, when you're, when other people are mirroring different things back to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can, I can't even believe I have to say this, but like we are, we're not even at time. We're like over time, which is oh, no! lovely and wonderful. <laughs> and it's this, I have to say, this has really felt like a co-hosting experience to me and I've loved it. Oh, so who knows, maybe future show too. idea. Um, because I've just loved the conversation and there's just so much, I mean, I could just go, I have a whole other host of like, I have five other questions I want to go to. (laughs) So we might have to do a part two or three or five, who who knows? Um, but yeah, yeah. It just has been so great having you on. Like I I just said, it feels more like a co-host, which has been lovely. And I just, I love who you are in the world and how you 
um, you're committed to doing your own work. I, lo- I mean, you're a decade ahead of me. You're getting things in your 30s that I'm only now getting in my mid-40s. So I, I absolutely adore it. I adore you. And I just want to thank you for being here. Yeah. Thank you. And you know what? It's so refreshing for me to talk about relationship as well. It's not something I talk about a lot in my field of work. It tends to be more career or other mm. things. So it's, it's just really nice to share those parts of me and hopefully you know, it will, will resonate and spark something within the listeners. So thank you for listening as well. And thank yeah, you for this opportunity. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I could talk about relationship all the live long day because I just think that's, <laughs> you know, and that's just where we can thrive. It's where we can learn. It's our most challenging place, you know, brings up all of our stuff. And and I think it just helps us be better people. You know, we can we can learn things and be successful in a vacuum. And then when we have to share that with someone, that's when the rubber meets the road. So absolutely. Thank you. All right. Everyone that was listening, I hope you got lots of lots of juice from this. And like I said, maybe we'll do another show with with Sarah and uh, we'll do a couple of parts, two and three, maybe. Um, If you have any questions for us, if anything came up for you that you want to share, don't hesitate to write it in the show comments, as I mentioned. And if this episode inspired you and you think it'll inspire someone you know, then go ahead and share it with them. I'm sure Sarah and I would appreciate chatting with them as well. Sarah, thank you one more time for being on She Rises. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep rising everyone for books and resources related to today's episode make sure you head over to sherisespodcast.com and i'll see you there if you've enjoyed today's episode make sure you tune back in next week when i dive into more juicy topics to help make your life the best it can be and hey if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you love it head on over to itunes and leave me a rate and review and subscribe there to the show 